I honestly don't know what started the whole thing. I just remember being chased by Pam through the kitchen to the living room. Our house, a military home located on Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico near Alamogordo, was small. The front door opened into a small hallway. Directly ahead was the kitchen. To the left was the narrow hall connecting all four bedrooms and the two bathrooms, and to the right was the living room. The kitchen resembled a narrow hallway with a sink, refrigerator, stove, cupboards, and pantry lining the sides, and the washer and dryer and the house's back door completed the passageway. On the right, about three-quarters of the way through this narrow space and almost to the washer, was another entry into the living room. Pam was angry for some reason. She always was mad at me, and she was running after me, screaming something. I ran out the side of the kitchen facing the front door through the living room and back in the other side with her following me a few steps behind. Steve, my younger brother by six and a half years, and Brian, my younger brother by eight years, were both standing in the portion of the living room that my parents had strategically cordoned off with an entertainment center to serve as the dining room. The entertainment center was about 10 feet from the second entry into the living room from the kitchen, allowing for easy entrance into the kitchen, but helping make the, quote, dining room, end quote, feel separate from the living room and give a semblance of privacy when eating. As I made my second exit from the kitchen near the front door, Pam grabbed a large Tupperware cup and threatened that if I did not stop running from her, she would throw it at me. I stopped in front of the second entryway and waited. I still don't know for what. By this time, Steve had moved into the entryway. Pam was still mad, and as we stood staring at each other, she lost her patience and she threw the cup. I think she was aiming for my head but she hit the hanging lamp that was just to the left of the entryway. As she released the cup, however, I instinctively ducked. Unfortunately, I ducked my head toward the entryway, and Steve's forehead and mine collided. Steve, who was about nine years old, went flying into the pantry, the cans lining the shelves cascading onto him, with a rapid staccato of machine gun-like thumps. I hurried to Steve to make sure he was all right, and Pam ran to the lamp to make sure it was all right. Steve was fine, but the lampshade was broken. Pam and I quickly repaired it by pushing it back out and scotch-taping a tear in it. My mother didn't notice until she dusted about three days later. I don't think we got into any trouble for the little confrontation, but I think the confrontation was typical of life in the crook household when mom and dad were gone and Pam and I were teenagers. Pam was always mad at me. I was always trying to avoid getting hit, and Steve and Brian and other things always got caught in the crossfire. I'm Scott Crook, 
and welcome to my journey on the Crooked Path, a not-so-regular podcast of biographical stories about my not-so-interesting life. This is episode one of the hearsay season entitled, The Beginnings. It was a very clear day in May when my parents went to the hospital at Davis Month and Air Force Base. My father, Donald Nilcrook, was in the Air Force and was stationed at the Air Force Base near Tucson, Arizona. It was his first assignment after basic training. My mother, Janine Berkeley Crook, and father had been living in Tucson for about three years in a tiny trailer in a small trailer park. The reason for the hospital visit was that my mother was in labor with me. I was born at 5.12 p.m. on May 26, 1969. My parents named me Donald Scott Crook, but called me by my middle name. The reason for calling me by my middle name is, from what I'm told, to avoid confusion. They probably would have named me Donald Neil Crook Jr., but my mother objected to this convention. It seems that my mother never liked the name Jr. My uncle George Berkeley, my mother's brother, was named after my grandfather George Dotson Berkeley and was called Jr., for identification purposes. She was afraid that if they named me my father's name with a junior attached, I would unavoidably be called junior for the rest of my life. Calling me by my middle name, however, has always created more confusion than it's, than it's avoided. For instance, my dad has always gone by the name Don. I've always gone by the name Scott. In my teenage years, whenever anyone would call the house and ask for Donald rather than Don or Scott, because neither my father nor I used the name Donald, the person who answered the phone would have to ask, which Donald do you mean, the father or the son? Another problem annually emerged on the first day of school. All of my friends knew me by the name Scott. However, when the teacher would call the roll the first day, he or she would get to my name and say, Donald Crook. The laughter in the room would be rather loud as I would respond, I'm here, but I go by Scott. For the next month, I would be harassed by classmates calling me Donald Duck, Ronald McDonald, and very other, various other Donald derivatives, thinking that he or she was the first person that had thought of that very ingenious play on my name. The first time this happened to me was my kindergarten year. Upon informing my parents of this unfortunate consequence of their decision, after telling me that the name Donald was a wonderful name of which I should be proud, my mother immediately set out to right the wrong that had befallen me. She went to the school and changed my name on the rolls to read as Donald, quote, Scott, end quote, Crook, rather than Donald Scott Crook. The idea was that the teachers would immediately notice that the name Scott was in quotation marks. They would then realize that I went by Scott rather than Donald. For reasons unknown to me, my subsequent teachers must not have noticed the quotation marks because every teacher in every class at the beginning of every year called out my name as Donald Crook. The application form has also presented a huge problem for me. By the time I was 21, I determined that the best way to resolve the Donald problem was to always fill in the name slot with D. Scott Crook rather than Donald Scott Crook. 
The problem with this approach was that I had already applied for various things, such as a driver's license, social security card, some employment and credit cards using the name Donald Scott Crook. Consequently, to this day, I still have to determine which name I have applied for a particular thing under before I can ask questions pertaining to my accounts. Furthermore, most applications require a first name and middle initial rather than a first initial and a middle name. The result is that various businesses have me listed as Donald S. Crook, Donald Scott Crook, D. Scott Crook, Scott D. Crook, or even Scott Donald Crook. I have determined that the only confusion my name has avoided is that when calling my name around the house, my parents were able to identify me quickly. By calling me Scott, my parents avoided confusing themselves about whom they were addressing. Unfortunately, everyone else is very confused. I was preceded in birth by my sister, Pamela. Pam was born the year before me. It appears that I was an, quote, accident, end quote. My parents don't like it when I describe my conception as an accident. They concede that I was not a planned child, and therefore my mother says that she prefers to think of me as a love child. The term always appealed to me until one day when, for some reason, I came across the term love child in the dictionary while looking up another word. The phrase, of course, means illegitimate child. At first, perplexed by what this could mean, I determined that my mother simply didn't know the phrase's true definition. I became a little more concerned, however, when I realized that I had told more than one person who had remarked on how close my sister and I were in age that I was a love child. I hope no one thinks ill of my mother because of me. Pam and I were good friends when we were small. From the accounts my parents give to me, Pam loved me so much that she would climb on top of me to give me hugs. Although I enjoyed her affection, I never did like her pinning me to the floor. Consequently, my parents say that they would often see me physically throw Pam off of me so forcefully that they would find her lying on her back across the room from where she had been mauling me. My parents also say that I didn't speak much as a child because Pam acted as my interpreter. I would simply tell her what I wanted, and she would tell my parents. We moved frequently when I was young. We moved from Tucson, when I was only six months, back to Utah, where both my parents had lived since birth. My father had decided to leave the military and moved to Utah to get a new job. We had a house in Layton, 730 North Hill Boulevard. Unfortunately, the economy was slumping at the time, and the day before my dad was to begin a new job as a civil servant at Hill Air Force Base, President Richard Nixon froze all federal jobs. My father, therefore, never started his new job at the base and was forced to work odd jobs for a period of about two years. He worked as a private security guard, car salesman, and other odd jobs. In 1972, he re-enlisted in the Air Force and was told that he would be trained as a computer programmer. We moved to Biloxi, Mississippi for nine months and then to Tacoma, Washington, where he was trained in computers and did very well. 
But because the war with Vietnam was still going on, my father was reassigned to his old job in the military, egress specialist, a fancy way of saying ejection seat mechanic, and sent to Thailand to support the air attacks in Vietnam. My mother, Pam, and I moved to Utah and lived with my grandparents while he was gone. When my dad returned in November of 1974, he had a horrible gallbladder attack and almost died. After a time for convalescence, we moved to Edwards Air Force Base near Lancaster in California. Our address was 7555 Hill Drive. While living in California, my parents had two more children, Stephen and then Brian. We lived at Edwards Air Force Base for four years and then moved to our home on Bernalillo Court at Holloman Air Force Base near Alamogordo in New Mexico. After living there for two years, my father was assigned to go to Osan, Korea for a year. The assignment was a remote assignment, meaning that he was to go alone. My mother, Pam, Stephen, Brian, and I again moved to Utah, where we lived in Clearfield, only one mile from both sets of our grandparents, James Jr. and Pearl Priscilla Flintoncrook, and George Dotson and Wanda Mary Sharp Berkeley. After my father returned, we returned to Holloman Air Force Base where we lived at 2634B McKinley Loop. We remained there until my father retired, one year after my graduation from high school. And thus, my story begins. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the hearsay season of my journeys on the crooked path. See you again soon. While living in California, my parents had two more children, Stephen and then Brian.